The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is the Spirituality and Health Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today, Sherry Anna Boyle, is a certified professional life coach, yoga instructor, and author of 10 books. Her newest book is Energy in Action, The Power of Emotions and Intuition to Cultivate Peace and Freedom. Energy in Action is featured in the May-June 2023 issue of Spirituality Health Magazine. Sherry Anna Boyle, welcome to the Spirituality and Health Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. So I have questions about manifesting in general, the practice of manifesting, which I'd like you to explain to us. And then you have a different take on it than the book, The Secret, offers. So so what is the idea or the practice of manifesting? Well, the practice it. In the traditional sense, is manifesting is bringing something into the physical. So many of the teachings, and it's not that they're wrong, it's just we're expanding consciously. And so naturally, we're going to have different viewpoints come in and we're going to start to dig into different areas. And so they pretty much focused on thought. That was the big thing, especially with the law of attraction. A lot of attention was given, especially in the secret, on the law of attraction. What you focus on, you attract into your life. So, of course, everybody was like, okay, great. I'm going to draw out my vision board and write my million-dollar check and stick it in my pocket. And if I focus on it and I feel it, and it'll come into fruition. And perhaps for some people, that those some things really did come to fruition that way. And but there were many people that it didn't work for them. <laughs> and so what I found, because I've been working in the space of emotions for so long, I've written many, many, most of my books, the core of them is about emotional processing. And I developed a system called Cleanse because a lot of people say, oh, I know I'm supposed to process my emotions but I don't know how to do that. And I was, I didn't know where to send them, really. I mean, there's lots of tools and strategies and spiritual tools for mindfulness, but I didn't really feel like I had a solid practice for processing an emotion. So I developed a system called Cleanse. It's seven steps, mindful steps for processing emotions. I've been doing that for years and years, teaching, writing about it in several of my books. And what I found when you process emotions, something interesting happens. The energy of your emotions changes your thoughts for you. So I found that very interesting. I thought, you know, here we are saying, focus on your thoughts, change your thoughts. Think about, you know, what you think about, you attract, what you focus on, you attract. But I'm like, 
that feels like a little bit more work to me in terms of trying and trying to make something happen. So my view, the view I've been exploring is, well, how about we just, instead of starting with thoughts, how about we focus on our emotions? And could it be possible that our emotions are a gateway to, like I said, transforming our thoughts, but to manifesting for the long run? And not just manifesting for what I want, but could we possibly open up our minds a little bit more? And could we manifest for the greater good for all? So the idea of manifesting, it sounds like what I'm manifesting, and this is, I'm asking a question, I'm not making a statement. What I'm manifesting seems to exist somewhere, and then I'm bringing it into the physical. Is that right? Well, that's not the way that I energy in action discusses it. I, I believe we're always manifesting something, quite frankly. It, it may but, not but be out of but is it out of nothing or is it so if I'm if I'm trying to manifest a new job mm-hmm. or a better job or lose 20 pounds or whatever it is I'm trying to manifest, am I manifesting something that exists somewhere that I'm bringing into this physical reality, or am I just imagining a goal and then working toward it in this physical reality? So in in the way that I see it is that what happens is it's energy in action. So it's based on inner movement of energy. So inner movement of the re and movement and vibrational frequency of energy inside of your body, right? So for example, if I want to lose weight, right? Let's say I want to lose, lose some pounds. I say, okay, I want to manifest losing weight, right? And I can focus on, okay, see myself in a different outfit and feeling great. You know, that's, that's one option that a lot of us were taught for a while. Or I can say to myself, well, I can, I can tap into my emotions and say, okay, go through the process. You know, what's coming up in me that needs to be processed that makes me believe or feel or even sometimes attach to the idea that I need to lose weight because there's there's some stuff there. Ram. I mean, there there what I'm saying is don't skip over the juice there. Perhaps there's emotions of unworthiness or frustration or sadness or lonely we we don't know and and so what i'm saying is when we move the inner movement of energy and i'm encouraging people to focus on their processing their emotions not not labeling them necessarily but really truly processing them what you're going to do is you're going to create a current of energy an inner energy and just like a whirlpool it kind of starts to move. And just like if you were a kid, you know, when you were a kid and you were in the pool and you're like, let's do a whirlpool and everybody goes in this direction, right? And all of a sudden there's a current and then you just kind of glide and you're like, woo, now you're just kind of gliding along with the whirlpool. That's the way I see manifesting. So if I can get that inner current moving and start to process emotions, which by the way, the cleanse isn't about getting rid of emotions, it's about getting to them. What we're doing is releasing all the reactions around them. And then I start to ride out that wave. Okay, now my energy's in motion. And now I suggest that 
is when you intuitively, because that's what's going to happen naturally with emotions, you're naturally going to be more in tune to energy, more in tune to internal intuitive guidance. And that's when that cool stuff that I think everybody's really drawn to, the magic, the synchronicities, the, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. I was in the store and I met this trainer and it was like, so, you know, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're working out and you're feeling, you know, that's the way I see manifesting is it starts energy and action, inner movement, energy. And I believe it begins with emotions. What's the difference between what you're saying, which makes a lot of sense, it seems to me, than what I might get from a psychologist, a therapist? I mean, you're, you're also you know, a life coach. How, how does that differ from life coaching? When I'm, I'm looking at the energies, the emotions that are blocking me from doing something, I look to see where they're coming from. I free them. Mm-hmm. And then I discover, oh, now I'm not blocked and I'm the energy around losing weight or getting a better job or whatever it is I'm trying to do are liberated to help me do that. How, how does that How does that do that? How does that well, differ from what I, you might do as a coach? I look at that as in conjunction. I mean, I'm, a, I'm actually a psychology professor. I'm an adjunct psychology professor as well. And I don't look at it sort of a how we're different, but how we can support each other and how in terms of of the brain and how all of that works, I do feel that we need systems in place that are consistent. We know we can change our brain. We know we we can shift the energy in our body, but we also know it has to be, it has to be a regular practice, right? And I find that sometimes in the psychology field, we spend a little bit too much time talking, <laughs> myself included. I did that for a long time. It was always like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's figure this out. Let's, you know, we'll come up with a way. What, what kind of solution? And I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. I'm saying my motto is feel first and then, if necessary, talk about it. Now, in, in terms of energy and action, what's different than psychology? is there as I really incorporate lots of light-based practices, vibrational light, which connects you to spirit, which connects. I know a lot of psychology starting to blend spirituality with psychology, connecting the, you're connecting the individual to their higher self, their higher capacities. That's what we want to do. And then, then, so it's about creating and cultivating that inner space helping them to be connected, then you manifest from from that energy in motion. Whereas before we were kind of ahead of ourselves. (laughs) We were like, okay, you you do the focus on what you want first and then all the rest. And what I'm saying energy in action is more about the quality of that inner space that you're creating from and then getting connected to your higher self practicing having a consistent practice because that way we can change our start to shift our brain not from shifting my thoughts but moving from my the energy of my emotions and then allowing things to fall into place because they will and the spiritual laws which the energy in action is based on 13 spiritual laws they are our guidance system for 
moving energy. So perhaps that's how it's different is heavily weighted on the spiritual laws of the universe, all of them, not just the law of attraction. So, you know, when, when I'm listening to you talk about this stuff and, you know, whether, and, and I get the distinction between working with your thoughts or moving your emotions, there seems to be a separation between me, the, the me that's doing the moving or the me that's, yeah, let's put it that way, the me that's doing the moving and the emotions that I'm moving. Where, where do the emotions, do you see that distinction? Is there, I mean, where do my emotions come from? I mean, when I, when I look at my feelings, if that's the same, when I look at my emotions, I don't get a sense that I'm consciously emoting. They're just coming up from somewhere. And then my ego, I guess you'd say, is observing them, noticing them, making judgments about them. And then, you know, if I like them, I leave them alone or I try to enhance them. If I don't like them, I try to repress them or whatever I try to do with them. But there's a split between the emotions and the me. And I'm wondering if if you see the same kind of thing when you're talking about, I'm going to move my emotions, I'm going to work with my emotions. Mm. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. I, I do. I mean, I've, I've written three books on emotional detox because previous to energy in action and what I, and that's why the cleanse system was developed. So I find that where the disconnection happens is that many of us are taught that some emotions are good and some emotions are bad right? I, I like the good ones, not so crazy about the bad ones. And for me, I know in going through different emotional, some traumatic situations in my life, that didn't really serve me to think, okay, well, this one's bad, this one's good. If, if anything, it made me hesitant and almost afraid, fearful, nervous about my emotions, nervous about getting re-traumatized sometimes because some trauma is just people are so afraid, you know, to to go back to something again, to relive something. It was so t- ter- terrible the first time. Why would I do that kind of thing? That makes perfect sense. So I think the first step, you know, and that's why I have sort of some core principles that energy in action is based on. And that is that all emotions are good so long as you process them. So I'll say that again, all emotions are good so long as as you process them. And emotional detox, again, I was heavily in that space for I still am, is based on, we're not trying to get rid of emotions, we're trying to get to them, meaning we do bury, we do cover up, we do minimize, we analyze, we ruminate, we put it, shove them under the rug, we deny, we, we go to the external world. We do all sorts of things, right, to manage, to cope with what we feel. 
And I had to sort of shift my mind, say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. All emotions are good so long as they're processed. But then, of course, the next natural process, the next natural question is, well, how do I process? And that's where cleanse comes in, which is the seven steps, which is, which is how we can process our emotions without getting into the labels, without getting into the stories that are often accompanied with them because they a lot of what we're calling emotions around me honestly are, are I, I think are triggers and triggers are are memories and very often they're traumatic because the body tends to remember and the brain we tend to remember things that were horrible and fearful because of the strong emotion and you know where do emotions come from well they have a physical anatomy and then they have a non-physical anatomy so the physical anatomy is they function like neurotransmitters in the body. They, they affect our cellular turnover. They, they affect our inflammation in the body. They, they're neuropeptides. On a non-physical level, they run on meridian levels, which is invisible energy lines throughout the body. So I love them for that reason. I love the way they're all-encompassing. So I can deal with things in the physical or I can move through things in the physical because I physically feel emotions. I have sensations. Sometimes I might feel tight. I might feel blocked. I might feel tense. That's something that's showing me what's happening, the rate of energy of movement in my body. And then there's the non-physical. And the way I connect to that is through spiritual practices. That's when I go into meditation or breath work and I open, I open myself up to something greater than myself. And so the cleanse has both. It has a blend of them and it effortlessly flows through, starts at step one, goes through step seven. It's a 10-minute practice. There's 52 of them in energy and action. And it really encourages you to sort of land in that space of you know, manifesting, which is that I am space to, in my mind, the I am space. When I land in the I am, I'm in it. That's that space where creativity is so rich and the possibilities are ended. When I'm in the I am, when I'm in presence. So I want to, I want to hold that thought, Sherriana, for a second, because that's where I want to go. But and, and let me just let the listener know that because there are so many practices, I'm not going to pick up any because there are over 50 and, and, <laughs> and it's just, we won't, we won't get anywhere, but take a look at the book. I mean, you'll find them in the book, but I just wanted to clarify one thing. When you say emotions are good, I, I think what I think I'm hearing anyway is that emotions are valuable because they're information, but the information is useless unless we process it. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's when you talk about processing your emotions, you're really saying, or what I'm hearing is what we need to do is get the, um, the information from the emotion. And, and then you find that information is good. It's good in the sense of being valuable. And, yeah. and the processes that you offer us are ways to get, un, you know, unpack the emotion and get the information out of it. You got is it. That, is that right? Yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what I think is so valuable about the book. And when that happens, when you get the information, so for example, I, I was cleansing with someone today and 
initially they called me and they said, I'm, I want to work with you because I need to forgive. I just need, this is going on in my life and I know I just need to forgive. And that way, you know, just, can you help me with this? Okay, I'll help you with this. So we go through and start to, I guide them through the same steps, not the same exact ones, of course, but I'm guiding this person through the cleanse steps, which are in the book. And as we're, as we're moving through and, and starting to move the energy and starting to get information, by the end, honestly, the information that we got was a whole different thing than he needed to focus on. He was almost looking to, and he said it himself, he said, you know, I totally appreciate where you took me because it was almost like I was looking at forgiveness, like, a, like I was checking off a box. And I, and I get it. I get it that, that there were things that, that, that he needed to learn, right? Self-discovery, self-awareness. And once we gathered that information, we were in a whole different place. Now he's focusing on something different from manifesting. Yeah. And that's why I always say, feel first and then talk about it. Right. He had a preconceived notion of what what was going on. And it was a it was a quick fix. If I yeah, forgive, right. it'll be done. We'll move on. And I get it. But that's not what we got from as as you as you say, which I love the information from emotions. And that sort of brings us back to the I space because and, and this is my language and you can correct it, obviously. Correct me if you think I'm off, but he was in the me space. <laughs> And you're trying to move us into this, this I space. And the, the I, as I understand it, so let me, is not Rami in, in my case, right? So when I, when I say as I understand it, I mean the I space as Rami understands it. So that's, that's the me. You're talking about something much different as as I get it from your book. So so tell us what you have in mind by this I space. Well, the I am, I mean, that's what the the laws talk to us, teach us, guide us, the I am space and reassure us. I mean, it's a consciousness. It's a oneness. So so all of these things that we desire to manifest in our lives, and in many ways, I think the energy of it already exists, right? So if, if we, when we land in that I am space, it's sort of that embodiment, that, that space where I am one. I am one with everything. And that corresponds with the law of oneness, right? That we really are <laughs> one in the end. And the I am space is, you know, that's where we have that sense of trust, that sense, we can start to sense of knowing sense of purpose. And again, I feel that's one of the most creative states that we can be from, you know, that space of connection with something greater. But but is it are are you there? Is Sherry Anna there? Is it or or is the I space what something far more vast, far more far I mean, in my own experience, when if I were going to use the divine eye, I'm not talking about Rami at all. 
I'm talking about an infinite self with a capital S, if you like, the, that, that includes all being. Yes. You know, it's, it's the ocean that includes all the waves. I'm a wave of that ocean, but I'm not the ocean. I connect to the ocean. And when I do, Rami disappears into the, the vast eye space, if you like. Mm. But, but I'm not there as a separate egoic being. Creativity is there, insight is there, intuition is there, wisdom is there, that I can access later, because you can't stay, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're always in that space, theoretically, but as a, you know, Rami doesn't always, if if I was just, if, if I stayed in that space, Rami couldn't function, and I would physically die. So, so I don't stay in that space. You tap into it, and then you come back. When I come back, I benefit from having tapped into it, because I I bring with me some of the wisdom that that I right. tapped into. Is that what we're talking about, or are you talking yes. about? Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. So, so what are your, what's your experience with that? And and you also talk about. I mean, the first law is the divine oneness is the first law mm-hmm. of the universe. So, so do you see well, a my, connection there? My experience was I really, I didn't really go looking to create energy in action. It kind of came in just in that space that you were talking about. I was processing my emotions. I was going through the system that I've created and I sit with every single day. And in that I am space, I was really connecting to this, these rays of light, which I write about in the book. And I was feeling the vibration. I was like, gosh, this is just... And every one of them was feeling different to me. Around. It's interesting. I, and... It literally was giving me information. So when I come back in my physical body, it would give me information, downloads, if you will, for sort of the next steps, right? And that in terms of how this book was going to be shaped. And one of the pieces of information that I got, because I do feel that we're here, we have a purpose. We, we are in this body for a purpose. We are here on this planet for a purpose, I think it is to contribute in some way and to grow and to learn and all sorts of stuff. But it really, the, the feeling and the information I was getting that was asking, I was being encouraged to put these laws with these rays of light within these cleanses. So it's, it's interesting to me because when people say to me, okay, well, talk to me about the law of attraction. The first thing that pops in is I think, yellow, yellow ray of light. I don't even think in terms of words anymore. All I do is feel the energy. I say, oh, well, that's the yellow ray of light. And the yellow ray of light and all these rays of light are overseen by spiritual guides and masters. They've been written about. They've been around for thousands of years. This isn't anything I've created. They've written in the Vedas and passed on just like the spiritual laws of the universe. They have been around for since before Moses. They weren't even put into writing until 1908. They were oral teachings, teacher to guru to student. And so these two systems, right, the spiritual laws of the universe and the rays of life, they're similar in that way and that they're based on the infinite. And a lot of manifesting, if you really think about it, gets encourages you to focus on the finite, right? The, and what... What I was feeling was, we got to go to the infinite. Like you said, that infinite space, that I am space, that consciousness, 
Then we come back into the physical and allow all of those downloads and information and the rays of light are here to support us because I believe you know, we could use some support. Stress levels are pretty high and, and bring down that energy. And that way, it's not just for me. I say manifesting was never meant for the me. It was meant for the we. Right. So it goes through us and then it sort of, I look at it as sort of feeding everybody on the planet. So that's how I see it. And I pair everything and it's written that way in the book. So every, every law is in there and every law corresponds to a light. And then the practices of emotions, we, we, we learn how to live in harmony as spiritual beings with these laws. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the ways that energy in action avoids the narcissism of Rhonda Burns' The Secret, because it is, it's not about me, it's about, it's about we. And, and I, just to throw this out there, I, I love the fact that you associate divine oneness with the diamond ray of light. I thought that was very, very appropriate. I would be totally remiss if only for myself, if I didn't ask you what happened in 1908 that these things got written down. Who wrote them down in 1908? Well, they didn't really fully, it was the, they called themselves the initiatives. Uh, and I, what I love about them is they didn't want to put their name on it because they didn't want ego to be involved, right? So, because we know then everyone says, well, I own this, right? I own this. I own this information. I own the laws. It came from me and didn't want that to happen. So they didn't really, they, it's... So these are, the, are people or these are the, the, masters in the Himalayas? These are... These are, well, it wasn't, again, it was, it is an actual book. So somebody wrote the book, 1908 Kabbalion is the name of the book, the Kabbalion. And it was the three initiatives is how they would, they refer themselves to. And a lot of other books, such as the books on the Upanishads, you know, the Hindu texts, also talk heavily, you know, about these spiritual laws. So they they eventually got to paper. And of course, they people have to interpret and things like that. But really was designed, was kind of brilliant in a way where it didn't want to be owned by one religion or didn't want to be influenced by politics. So I love turning to them because I feel like it's just pure as you can get, you know, and really some incredible people out there that have recorded and, and offered some of these interpretations. I mean, there's honestly spent a lifetime researching this and I'm still researching it even after the book. I just really wanted something where people could practice. That's the way I was guided for sort of today, right? And how can we align with these spiritual laws? And that, and I just did you know, the guidance that came through me, but with complete honor for all of these teachings. And yeah. there's such high integrity. And so the Kabbalion. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll let people take a look at that. I mean, there was something going on at the turn of the 20th century, you know, the 19th to the 20th, you get that, you get that book, you get the Golden Dawn, you get Theosophical Society, Aleister Crowley. There's so many things happening at the yeah. same time, bringing these teachings out into the into the world again. So it's, it's really fascinating. I, we could learn a lot more about this if we had the time, but we don't, so I'm going to have to end it there. Our guest today, Sherrianna Boyle, is the author of Energy in Action, 
The Power of Emotions and Intuition to Cultivate Peace and Freedom. The book is featured in the May-June 2023 issue of Spirituality Health Magazine. Sherrianna, thanks for joining us on the Spirituality and Health Podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was ours as well. Spirituality and Health Podcast is produced by the one and only Ezra Baker Trupiano, and our executive producer is Zach Avery. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. And if you're not already a subscriber to Spirituality and Health Magazine, please become one at spiritualityhealth.com. From everyone at Spirituality and Health Magazine, we thank you for your support. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.